On today's episode, we will tackle what influencer marketing looks like when it comes to highly technical industries in B2B. And uh, of course, it's not the same as your consumer Kardashians and sports celebrities, but you already knew that. So what does it look like? Why aren't there more influencers out there? And how might you consider going about adding this to your 2023 marketing mix? By the way, if those of you who are looking at the video are seeing kind of a strange background, I'm recording this episode from an RV because uh, I'm in the middle of a home renovation. So hopefully the audio is good. The background looks a little creative, but uh, what are you going to do? And then one last note, uh, true marketing is hiring. So those of you out there looking for a career change, we're seeking a senior inbound marketing specialist, and you can learn more at the True Marketing website at truemarketing.com. Let's do this. Welcome to Content Marketing Engineered, your source for building trust and generating demand with technical content. Here is your host, Wendy Covey. Hi, and welcome to Content Marketing Engineered. On each episode, I'll break down an industry trend, challenge, or best practice in reaching technical audiences. You'll meet colleagues, friends, and clients of mine who will stop by to share their stories. And I hope that you leave each episode feeling inspired and ready to take action. Before we jump in, I'd like to give a brief shout out to my agency, True Marketing. True is a full service agency located in beautiful Austin, Texas, serving highly technical companies. For more information, visit truemarketing.com. And now on with our podcast. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Content Marketing Engineered. I'm here today with Stuart Cording. Stuart is a freelance journalist for Elector, and he's also someone that both follows and shares insights about the global electronics and semiconductor industry. Welcome to the show, Stuart. Thank you, Wendy. It's lovely to be here. I, I'm so happy to see your smiling face. We've known each other Gosh, going on a decade now, I would I think say. so. Right? Yes, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was uh, 10 years ago at uh, Embedded World, I think, where we we sat down and uh, had a coffee and met for the first time, which was, uh, it always stays in my memory. How about that? Thank you, LinkedIn, for bringing people together in the industry and uh, just so happy to see you. I know you're living in Germany, but for those listening that are saying, that doesn't sound like a German accent, they might be right, right? Uh, yeah, I'm from the UK originally. I was born there and grew up and studied there. And as part of my education at university, I had an opportunity to come to Germany and work for National Semiconductor, which was at the time one of the big semiconductor, American semiconductor businesses. And uh, that's where my career started. So, And also my, my journey to living uh, in a different country so far for the rest of my life. Well, Germany is a beautiful place, so I, I don't blame you for staying. Um, well, today, Stuart, we're going to talk about influencer marketing as it relates to the B2B technical world. And earlier when I introduced you, I said that you follow and share insights about this industry. So to me, maybe it makes sense that you might be an influencer, huh? Exactly. I think um, there's obviously a lot of discussion when we've attended, you've attended a, a, a marketing um, congress or trade show recently. I'm in touch with lots of agencies here in Germany and the rest of Europe and also attending trade shows on the same topics as well. And there's this big uh, discussion at the minute around B2B influencers trying to understand how we take what we know from the B2C world 
uh, and translate that to the needs of the the B2B marketers uh, out there who are obviously grappling with the changes in marketing, in channels, in media consumption. And, uh, you know, so I think uh, the first thing to do is maybe take a step back and have a little think about um, what B2C influencers are. And at the top of the tree, when you look at um, the the big names, you're talking about someone like, uh, say, the Kardashians. Uh, reportedly, they charge like a million dollars per post, uh, which is absolutely incredible. But if you look at how marketing people such as Jill El, he's uh, the CEO from Hyper Brands, um, what he's saying is that you the problem, obviously, with that as well is – uh, you get a huge amount of range, but how accurately positioned is that messaging and that post to the audience that you're trying to address? Uh, such people are followed by a, a diverse range of people across many, many countries with uh, lots of different um, uh, di- um, yeah, sort of backgrounds of people, um, earning earning potential, ability to buy services and, and buy products. So, um, yeah, you might reach a, a million or several million people, but, you know, how useful is that for, for your brand? And so then under that, you've got sort of what they've basically classed as different levels of, of influencer. So someone like the Kardashians, they would be considered a, a macro influencer, so over a, a million followers. But then if you look at people like uh, John Huntingley, he's a director of marketing at uh, Epic Marketing. He breaks it down further and says that, um, you know, those those mega influencers, the the audience is very diverse. There's a, a wide range of dynamic um, of, uh, sorry, demographics. Mm. amongst those below those you've got sort of smaller subclasses so you've got uh, macro the the macro mega influencers macro influencers uh mini micro and then nano influencers uh and i think that in the b2b world what we have to do is understand that we're not going to have those mega and macro influences in in the same way because our industry doesn't work like that we don't have um products which have that broad interest uh, if i'm trying to sell sportswear if i'm trying to sell cosmetics those are things that all of us probably um you know maybe 80 percent of the of the world is in a position to actually in, engage with whether they can afford it or not is an, another matter but people need clothes people like to to dress up or, or look after themselves um, we're talking about um, very specific products uh, with a very limited um range of, of people who are responsible for choosing selecting and then have the authorization to buy those products when we look at the the buyer journey and and who's involved in in for example let's say choosing the next uh, plc for our industrial automation system or the next microcontroller for our iot sensor node so um that's the first thing this this idea that range is the be all and end all of an influencer that has to be put to one side um, it's got to be more about the quality and they're also the, the channels that those people have, you know, where are they and is my type of audience there? So I think for, for B2B, what we're looking at is influencers who have a good presence on LinkedIn, have a, a following on, on YouTube and are also exploring the other social media channels as well to try and access um, yeah, the next generation of, of um, decision makers um, in, in B2B markets. So they need to be able to have channels to share information, but also how how much of an expert do they need to be? Do they need a point of view or are they simply moving information through their channels? 
So I, I think there is room for personality and there is room for a, a point of view. So when I'm working generally, even as a, as a journalist um, in that role, when I see a new solution, um, if it doesn't cut the mustard, if it um, is just a rehash of something else, I'll say so. You know, that that's the that's the point. But, um, you know, we can't just let companies di dictate the, the messaging that goes out there. Um, e even in the B2C space, you know, people get products and they, they say their personal opinion about it. And that's what the receiving side of those messages actually appreciates. And I think in, in B2B marketing, that's even more important. We want people who have a, an opinion, who are truthful and honest in my sector, which is electronics and semiconductors. Um, but I think it also applies for a lot of, of, of B2B to be um, businesses, you are interacting and convincing people with engineering degrees, with science degrees, mathematics and physics degrees. These are all science-based subjects where a lot of facts are required in order to make intelligence decisions. And those decisions can have a huge impact on the product. If um, we select the wrong IC, the wrong um, chip for our sensor, um, that could delay the launch of our product for six months, a year or, or even more, or even worse, it could have a negative impact on our brand because after putting the product out there, all of a sudden we have lots of field failures, you know, so um, facts and accuracy are of utmost importance. But um, yeah, I think um, so there, there's room there for that. But we also remember that we're in an environment where people don't put out products that don't work. You know, um, generally speaking, That's when so a new nice. chip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But in, in B2B, I mean, you're not going to be buying a service or a product um, which is um, only 60 percent there. You know, the, re the reality of it is is when an, a failure or a mistake is found, it's typically something that. Um, that is minor and minimal. There's a workaround for it typically. And, um, you know, it wasn't intentional. No one brings those things to market uh, intentionally trying to deceive people in, in a large fashion. It just it just wouldn't work. I mean, engineers and scientists and, and physicists working on these products, they'd work out in a few hours whether the, the, the product does what you wrote in the, the product sheet. Yeah. So, um, but that authenticity, that honesty, and um, but the expertise, understanding, uh, what is important in that market, in that field for that product, and being able to discuss it and share it and compare it with previous products, alternative products, that really is key. So I, I think that's really the value um, of the, the B2B influencer is that ability to bring years and years of experience to the table and say, and ask the right questions when you're in those interviewing type situations as well. No, I agree. Someone, I, I think that if there was someone that was a self-proclaimed influencer in a highly technical space and they weren't technical and didn't know and they were sort of just being a mouthpiece for a brand or an ad or a product, I think that people would see through that pretty quickly and turn them off, you know, and look past yeah. recommendations. So yeah, uh, I agree. Yeah. So I feel like this is uh, this the idea of influencer marketing of brands hiring an influencer or you know, trying to influence an influencer, let's say it's we're in our infancy compared to B2C. Why might that be? I think the, the sort of the, the, the um, there's a huge difference in the way a B2C influencer emerges from the marketplace, like the audience 
um, that can be an influencer in comparison to the B2B environment. So if we take cosmetic cosmetics, for example, anybody can go to a shop, they can buy a lipstick, they can they can apply it and they can stand in the front of a camera as they do so and, and share that. Yeah, a, lip, a lipstick costs uh, maybe a few bucks, a few euros, depending on where you are. Uh, and it's a short time between the purchasing and the demonstration of the product. And you could sit there in a weekend and create enough content to keep you going for maybe a couple of weeks, just pushing out short videos uh, one a day. In the B2B space, the products we're talking about are exceptionally complex. So I was at a press uh, conference last week where Roden Schwartz uh, launched their new um, mixed-signal oscilloscope, an, an amazing uh, product, infinitely capable. But in order to be able to prove that they the, the features that they say it has actually do work, I need something like half a million euros worth of equipment to really put it through its paces yeah. and show that the, the speed is there, the accuracy is there, the low noise level is there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I'm not in a position to just quickly whip up half a million dollars worth of, of test oh, equipment. Really? Um, and I don't, <laughs> surprisingly, I know it looks like I'm well, <laughs> well set here in my little studio, but um, that's the reality. And then once that money's in place to, if it, if it were there to get the equipment, the amount of time involved to actually do all of those tests um, is immense. And, and then the question is, what value does that bring? If I just sit down and say, yes, this, this 50 megahertz bandwidth oscilloscope really does 50 have 50 megahertz of bandwidth. Check, the um, specs are accurate. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It's, yeah. it's not really so exciting what? or interesting, yeah. I think um, what's of more value is to make sure that when those new products do come to market, obviously they will fulfill the broad specifications and, and product capabilities that are given. What we need is people who are able to, for, from a marketing perspective, from your marketing team's perspective, you need people maybe to who are available to reach an audience, which I can't reach through other means, um, maybe new eyeballs, fresh eyes that I haven't got through alternative channels. Mm -hmm. And um, in terms of, of, of maybe sort of describing and talking about the product, um, maybe there, there's also room for um, with an oscilloscope, for example, it's a piece of test equipment that's on the desk, um, things that you won't get out of the, the product um, data sheet. Um, those are the sort of things you can look at. So usability, are the buttons nice to press? Um, does, the, does the unit slide across the bench as I try to plug in the probes, for example? All those niggly little things that you never really understand or know about until you've actually bought those products. So I think if we can focus on the differentiated information that just never gets covered by the data sheets. Um, those are the sort of things and value add that we can address through through those um, through those discussions, those those opinions and experiences that we can share with uh, our audiences. Got you. So there's. Um... An interesting, I guess, if I think of the spectrum and, okay, so I'm launching a new, this new oscilloscope, so we'll, go, we'll say with your example, uh, and I think about, okay, this is, these are the best technical applications for this new product. And then I would maybe go to market and pitch to the uh, editorial community and try to get coverage in front of their audiences, right? Um, so try to influence those editors. And so how is that different or, or is this audience any different or how I approach them any different when I'm going to a freelance influencer that has their own community? Or am I really having very similar discussions? 
I think the discussions are actually quite different. And we also need to look and reflect a little bit upon the media landscape as well. So if we were to go to magazines, obviously dying out in, in North America, there, there are no paper magazines, as, as far as I understand, at least. Um, in Europe, paper magazines are still um, yeah, used and in, in, in place in most European countries and in Germany, especially so, but they are dying out. So um, the media organizations that I'm aware of here, in, in especially in, in Germany, what they're doing is they're becoming more marketing experts and offering marketing packages to to support their their clients. So the magazine is one thing, having an article written by an editor about a product that can be done, or you may submit an article. You can obviously have advertising in the print magazine. You can have print advertising online, but they're also looking to add value by um, providing some targeted media capability. So for example, um, if you have an oscilloscope, they have a database and they know who has in the past been interested in test and measurement topics. They can then send that information out in their emails and target target it to that audience. But the challenge is, of course, those. Um, it's not that that doesn't work. It does. But um, we have to understand that the media organizations are also slowly losing their market share. Their, their um, audience is getting older, is, is retiring, and we're not quite sure where the new, fresh, young audience um, who will be the decision makers and the, and the buyers in the future are actually going to come from. So, um, yeah, I think the B to what we need to look at in the b2b space for influences is is to see how they can mix that up a bit in my own personal situation obviously as a freelance journalist i do work with elector i write a lot of content for elector i um, research a lot of products and i share my knowledge and experience through that that portal which is print magazine it's online supported with email blasts um i have my own live stream every, every month where i talk to engineers and share their insights with the world and and try to encourage engineers to explore and find out uh, new information and, and new solutions new uh, chips new architectures whatever it might be you know so um that sort of plays nicely into that but um yeah the 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 influencer Specifically, I think what we're going to be looking for in those people is how they can address the markets that the classic um, magazines and media organizations are going to struggle with unless they change somehow in the years ahead. Wow, that's a very important distinction. I'm, I'm glad we had that conversation. Uh, so let's talk about your business specifically. So you've recently launched an influencer service, and I, I think this will be interesting to, to learn more about it because as um, technical marketers are sitting here thinking, like, you know, how do I get started? Like, how do I even find these people? What do they offer? So give us just the basics about what you offer and how you connect with marketers. So I think I need to go a little bit into my background first. So I'm an electronics engineer who's consumed media all of my life in order to understand you know, what goes on in the marketplace and, and uh, what products are coming, what methodologies are there, what approaches uh, are modern in tackling automotive, industrial, consumer applications. And from there, I then move more into marketing and, and PR. And um, 
the biggest challenge that I see in the B2B space beyond anything else is just the content creation part. Um, I think you can have all the, you can have the branding, you can have the strategies, you can have uh, your vision and your mission and all of those things. Um, but the, the biggest challenge that you have is actually getting content out to the public. So that's the, 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 the thing that everyone finds most difficult. And it's not because there's a shortage of ideas. It's often because there's a, um, a limited number of people who have the right skills in the organization um, coupled with the right understanding in order to put pen to paper. Um, for those organizations that do have content out there, um, I think the challenge is then making that content work for them for longer. Mm. If you have gated content, you might run that for four, four weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks in order to try and do a, a lead generation campaign. But obviously, there's there's only so much you can do um, through the channels that you have available and people get a little bit tired and bored of that. So bearing those two aspects in mind, the, the, the challenges in actually getting content created and then you know, getting every last cent worth out of the content you've already got there. I've decided to put together two key sort of packages um, for B2B marketing teams and, and PR agencies supporting them. The first is called a content boost. The idea of the content boost is to actually take a look at existing content. And you might have gated content, you might have a blog, you might even have a, um, a technical article which is on one of the trade magazine websites. And you think, well, this is really, really good, but we don't think enough people have read it yet. So what I offer is to go and look at that content and I summarize it and create uh, three two-minute videos on that particular subject. Those three videos are then spread out over my over a 12 week period, fed into my social media channels. And there we're looking to use all, all available video type channels which are out there. So the first and most key is probably LinkedIn for, for this business to business type content. Uh, Twitter is another key one because lots of people follow trends and journalists in general on, on Twitter. So there's like newsy type um, short info type information on Twitter. So it's very good for that. Um, then we've also got YouTube as well. That's another place. YouTube is still, I think, the second largest uh, search engine in the world. So we want to make sure we've got something out there on YouTube where people can find an answer to their question. And beyond that, it's also looking at channels like Instagram and TikTok. Now, neither of those are particularly well known for, for B2B content, but I think those are spaces where we find the younger generation. So definitely the, the generation that is definitely at least one or two under me is on Instagram. And what we're seeing uh, through various bits of research that's been going on is that TikTok is starting to be used as a search engine by Generation Z and uh, millennials. Yeah, So um, that, that's where those people are. We need to go out and find them, pick them up and draw them to appropriate content. So that's that's the, the content boost. If you're also struggling to generate the content in the first place, uh, that's something I do on a daily basis. We can actually sit down and go through the standard briefing process where we look at, you know, what are the three messages that we want to make sure the reader has read and, and can share with somebody else once they've read it. Uh, we develop a structure around the topic um, that will get signed off as, a, as appropriate by the marketing team. And then I can write that content and make it ready for your blog, for um, a gated uh, campaign or in preparation to send it to, um, to, a, to a magazine website or to have it printed, you know. So and once that's done, we just attach the, the video boosting section onto that. 
Ah, okay. Thank you. I think that detail was very helpful. And, um, and Stuart, just a, a plug in our 2023 state of marketing to engineers research report, we're going to be looking at TikTok adoption. So we've never Super. asked that question. So we decided to add it on. So we'll see uh, how that turns out. I'll be interested. We we had a clubhouse last year and it didn't do so well. So um, right. TikTok will do better. <laughs> and it's and it's still the best and most important marketing report in the in the business. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, um, for those listening that want to learn more about you and what you have to offer, how can they get in touch? So my website's available. It's called electronicsinfluencer.com. There you'll find more about myself. You'll see some of my video material that I've created in the past. As an influencer, I can also support people in uh, visual campaigns, so um, moderating and uh, hosting events, uh, running round tables. You'll see me also at some of the trade shows every year, running interviews. And um, this year we're going to the Electronica exhibition in November. It's a very big um, biennial event uh, for the electronics and semiconductor industry. And we're going to be talking about ethics in electronics together with Elector. And I'll be running some of those events and sessions and roundtables with the CEOs there. So, uh, yeah, there's a, a broad range of things there. If you're interested in the actual uh, content boost and uh, content creation and boost, feel free to contact me over that website and I will be sure to get in touch. Otherwise, just search for Stuart Cording on LinkedIn. I'll very easy to find. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today, Stuart. I appreciate your time. Thanks very much for having me. It's been great. Thanks for joining me today on Content Marketing Engineered. For show notes, including links to resources, visit truemarketing.com slash podcast. While there, you can subscribe to our blog and our newsletter and order a copy of my book, Content Marketing Engineered. Also, I would love your reviews on this podcast. So please, when you get a chance, subscribe and leave me your review on your favorite podcast subscription platform. Thanks and have a great day.